This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Inside Carolina podcast on the beat live. I'm your host, Tommy Ashley, Johnny T-Shirt, JohnnyT-Shirt.com, the sponsors. Live, that means you know you got Adam Smith of Wayne Fonts fame and Ross Martin. Adam, I'm gonna go ahead and get it out of the way. A bounty conda. <laughs> Did I get it? I mean, okay. it sounds right to my ears, Tommy. Close enough. Let's let's get right into Israel. it. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. We'll just call him Israel. Why is he important, Adam? He's a big deal, right? He's a very big deal. I mean, all uh, all of our IC fans know this stuff. They're well-read and educated. I mean, uh, top running back in the ACC statistically passes the eye test too. I mean, my gosh, he's a he is a package of speed and power. The hammer of Pitt's run game. Um, number four in the country in rushing yards per game. Tied for first nationally with 13 uh, rushing touchdowns on the season. And... Um, well, what's the what's the old line? He's a straw that serves a drink. Uh, I would say for for the Pittsburgh Panthers. I mean, he's the real deal. He's been around for a while, and and everybody in the league knows this. What he put three hundred twenty yards on Virginia Tech a couple weeks ago. Indeed, he did. Ross Martin here, John Bowman down there as well. Of course, Tommy Ashley here. Ross, uh, listening to Mac Brown, one of the things he said Monday that caught my ears. He makes everybody seem better than they are when he talks about them. Um, I don't know if you can do that really with this running back, but your overall takeaways this week, listening to Mac, listening to the team, the players, and the coordinators getting ready for this game because this biggest game in Mac 2.0, period, I think. Whoa. I'm not sure I go that far. Name uh, me another one. I, mean, I thought Notre Dame game was pretty big. I thought um, the Texas A&M game was big. I thought Clemson was big in 2019. I thought uh, – I think this is just a – I mean, the next game's the biggest, I guess, right? Yeah, this is a big one. But I don't know, I mean, what would make this bigger than the Virginia game or, you know, Georgia Tech, right? It's Pitt. Matt can't beat Pitt. Hasn't <laughs> beaten Pitt. Uh, Texas A&M game, nobody gave Carolina a shot. Clemson game, nobody, nobody gave, gave – that. you know what I'm saying. Nobody gave Carolina a shot. Virginia next week. People think they're terrible. Mac can't win in Virginia. That's what we're here all week. I just think this game, and, and you guys are right, the next game is most important, especially when you win. But this game gets you in the driver's seat with nobody even in the car with you. Yeah, in I mean the coastal. Yeah, it's huge from that standpoint. I mean, it's it'd be it'd be a great win. I mean, seven one. I mean, incredible. I was texting with some guys earlier. I mean, you just beat Pitt seven one, and then Virginia potentially go eight and one. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, they haven't been eight and one since 2015. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a huge game. Um, and I think Carolina's feeling pretty good. 
I mean, Pitt's coming off with a pretty bad loss to Louisville. Dropped Georgia Tech a couple weeks ago too. I mean, they don't they don't seem like they're in the best form right now. But yeah, that running back's really good, and, and running backs have had their way at times with UNC. So uh, that's certainly a storyline to watch. And, and they're going to be without Raven Hasek again. Obviously, he's out for the year. So big. You know, we talked to Kevin Hester today. It's a big game for him. You know, Travis Shaw is going to have to play a lot of snaps. You could probably see him getting close to thirty or forty now if they just go with Hester and, and Travis Shaw. So um, we, we know the offense will score, and so it's a matter of stopping Aben Conde and the, and the pit offense, which put up 10 points against Louisville. You mentioned those guys on the defensive line, and, and you mentioned Travis Shell right there, 30 to 40 snaps. I got the takeaway that they need him to produce a lot. Adam, he talked about – Mac did his old Binkley Jones and Keyshawn <laughs> Silver and all that, but – you know, they played a ton of defensive linemen against Miami. We talk about it's hot and all that good stuff. Um, I think they do the same thing against this pit game. Who, who's some names out of that group do you think? I mean, has Kevin Hester sort of stepped up to be the leader there? They're certainly putting him out there to be, and, and he's played well. I think Kevin Hester has been, I, I don't know if pleasant surprise is the right way to say it, but I think he has come on and taken his game to a bit of another level. You know, I think Javari Ritzy's playing great. Uh, he can play inside and they can, you know, shift him out to power in sometimes. Uh, I mean, Miles Murphy was expected to be one of the best players, if not the best player on that defensive line, but he seems, or it sounds like he is getting healthier from the ankle injury. Um, KBJ, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of guys that, that you could use and rotate in and out of there. I mean, they, they played a lot of guys against Miami. They didn't play as many guys, um, at Duke the other night, eight o'clock game. You know, I don't know if that, that matters. It's cooler or whatever as compared to the humidity of Miami. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I think Kevin Hester has a has a chance to to you know be a leader at that position. Uh, you know, with without Ravio Hasek, I think they're going to need the whole. I think they're going to need all those guys. And I think that the way they have been using those guys has been good in theory. Duke. Uh, ran for more yards on Carolina than they've given up all season. Like, I don't know if producer John can look it up for me. I just thought about that. They gave up more rushing yards to Duke than they did to Notre Dame. And you remember how that Notre Dame game felt, you know, like that they were shoving it down their throat. Well, Duke ran for more yards than Notre Dame did. Um, so someone in the comments made, I think, made an astute observation. Uh, Pitt really doesn't have the quarterback run game with Keaton Slovis, who hasn't looked great. Uh, there you go, Jacob Turpin. There you go, guy. Um, you know, Slovis hasn't looked that great. Now, of course, he'll throw for five touchdowns after I say that. But, um, you know, he hasn't looked that 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 great the last couple of weeks for Pitt, the, the USC transfer at quarterback. And he definitely is not the running threat that Riley Leonard was at Duke. I mean, he I thought he played great the other night in Durham. And Duke beat the heck out of Miami, too. Miami had eight turnovers against Duke the other night. They gave, they gave it away eight times, or did they lose the ball eight times? Eight turnovers for oh, Miami in that game. Nice, man. And, Not a uh, for success. And, <laughs> I mean, that was 45-21 for, uh, for Duke. Uh, yeah, just uh, ridiculous going on down there. But to your point about Duke, I, and Ross, we can talk about this too, because this is where I think maybe if Don Chapman comes back, he helps. Uh they're not going to have the running threat at quarterback 
but they're going to have to make tackles in the second level. Gene Chizik talked about our angles and our approaches. Um, it's safe to say they've been poor at that, a fair part of this season, right? Ross. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, the linebackers have to step up, and I mean, it's a huge game for them. I mean, you don't want your safeties going one-on-one with Israel. Uh, might end badly. So it's a big game for Cedric Gray and Power Eccles, and it's a, it's a big game for the defensive line. I mean, they're going to have to take up blockers and, and, and hit them early. And, I mean, I don't really know. What else. I mean, it's yeah, it's a, that's the key, it's stopping the run. It's something they struggled with, and it's a big game for those guys. And on the line, on the note of the defensive lineman, I think it's a, a huge opportunity for a guy like Kedrick Bingley-Jones or Keyshawn Silver. They are going to get maybe more snaps than they've gotten before just out of necessity. So it's, it's a good chance for those young guys. I know both those guys are very highly recruited, so it'll be good to see what they can do. They're big bodies. They're not that athletic. I don't think Keyshawn Silver is some athletic freak, but, you know, on, on short short running downs, he can be a guy that can eat up some blockers. That's what they, that's what they need. That's what Ray Vahasek did. So um, it's important to note that Vahasek had surgery today, and uh, but he's been out with the team every, every day before today. Um, so – He'll be around the program still too, though. But yeah, it's a, it's a big game. And look, the, the linebacker group is still thin as well. I don't think uh, Ra Ra is, is the guy you turn to to make big tackles in space right now. So it's going to be Cedric Gray and, and Power Eccles show um, up there in the middle. And yeah, and, and Cam Kelly and, and um, Geo Biggers are going to have big games too. This is when they could use a, a, a JQ Conley. I know I saw a comment about him as well. Uh, I was talking with Tommy. I don't think we, we're going to see him anytime soon. Going to get that question out of the way, John. Yeah, that's what I was about. I was about to get there. Go ahead and talk about that a little bit. It did not sound like Conley is is playing anytime soon. Could be wrong, but you agree there, Ross? Yeah, Tommy and Adam were all at the press conference on Monday, and it, it sounds like yeah. I think I asked Mac about was it Mac? I asked Gene about it, and Gene just didn't. See, you know, he's out there. He's he's help. He's working out a little bit with the defense, doing some special teams work, but it didn't seem like he is close to to playing and live snaps. Gene Chizik kept talking about you know he's got to be able to cut. He's got to feel confident in his knee and, and be able to make the, the, the football moves necessary to, to play out there in live action. It doesn't seem like he's a couple of weeks away from that, if, if even. Maybe they just hold until next year. Yeah, and it's not just getting healthy there. It's, it's learning the defense because last time he played, Jay Bateman was the coordinator. And I don't, I don't okay. care what you say when you're talking about players – um, watching and you know reading the playbook and all that kind of stuff. You got to get out there in it, and it it just felt like he wasn't there. Um, Adam, he certainly could help, but did you get that takeaway as well? Yeah, it's, it, I felt like Gene uh, sort of repeated what Mac told us. Mac told us last week when it sort of became clear that they're trying to be as cautious as they can. I believe we said deliberate was how they're approaching it. You know, Gene was saying Monday that. Yeah, it sounds like if you see JQ Conley on the field, whatever point that is, it's going to be on special teams first. Like, you know, Mac was talking about allowing him to run around in space on in special teams and just just feel what it's like to run in a game and hit someone. Um, but I agree with what Ross said. I mean, I think – I don't know. I don't know when we're going to see him. I think, you know, if we see him soon, that's great. I think that means he's making tremendous progress. He's trusting it. And he's cleared whatever mental and physical hurdles he needs to, but it just seems like they are they're working him in slowly. And, and as Ross said, I feel like Gene sort of reiterated that Monday with the way he talked about, uh, you know, special teams comes out of the coach's mouth quickly when Conley's name comes up. Um, so it seems like that's where they want to ease him in, work him in. 
and then go from there. But yeah, in a perfect world, if he's himself, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to have him in there coming down into the box and, and trying to help out with the run game. Looking at the questions, uh, I'll go ahead and jump in a couple. Let's go uh, talk. We'll stay on defensive side. Where is it? I just saw it. Thomas Yancey. All right, you're getting a two for one, Thomas. Can't put one of them up there at a time. Do the heels load the box and trust the corners and safeties for a change? Uh, there's another thing is Louisville put a bunch of heat on the quarterback and did a good job against the run, also forced turnovers. I think turnovers are a, a luck and a luck of the draw type thing um, at times. But anyway, I don't see Gene Chizik doing anything different, Ross. <laughs> I mean, he is uh, – he did not in, he did not sort of tip his hat at doing anything different against Pittsburgh than what he's done so far really in his career. Did, did I miss something there? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think Gene Chizik is not one to, to make any drastic changes. I mean, I, you know, I think they'll, they'll do whatever they can to stop the run if, if that requires and maybe moving the safety up a little bit, they'll do that. But – um. You know, I think he's been pretty good with with pressuring at the right time, and when, when the when when it hits, it hits successfully. You know, the corner blitzes have been. I think I don't, I don't know the percentages, but it always seems like um, uh, Jodrick Boykins is good for for one a game almost, and, and Storm Ducks connected on there. So you like to see that that when he does bring pressure, it gets there. That's what you want to see. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't see much changing. It's just you know. Time to man up and stop the run and, and make them throw the ball. That's what that's what the, the goal of the Gene Chizik defense is. I've got another question here. This one is from Hester. He asks, does Barnes plug back in on the O-line? One of the themes for the bye week is UNC getting healthy. So is Barnes kind of a full go, do you think, back on the offensive line? What have you heard, Adam and Ross? I would say yes. Do we know that Hester is the guy or the girl in that situation? That's I mean, on me. I should have. I should have. He or she? I had to do it. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I had to do it. It's more uh, than just he and she now, John. That's true, yeah. too. Let's get the pronouns right. Um, yeah, I mean, yes. Like what they Tommy. said, we, we heard we heard <laughs> this week that, that DJ Jones is back fully practicing. William Barnes is back fully practicing. Don Chapman, I, assume, I have to assume that that means William Barnes is back to a starting role after mm-hmm. what leaving. He left during the Miami game, and he did not even suit up. Um, against Duke the other night in Durham. Yeah, so D- Dorno steps out. Now, I assume if Barnes is healthy, he plugs back in at right, right. guard. Yeah. yeah, but Dorno's been holding the fort down there um, ever since, what, the second half of the Miami game. So I would think, yes. Yeah, I think on an injury note, uh, DJ Jones, they, they said he was back. And then Longo kind of alluded to maybe he's not as healthy as as uh, as Mac Brown made it seem. So I don't know what's there because we kind of asked Longo about the running back. Um, group there, and he did mention that Jones is maybe still maybe maybe beat up a little bit. So interesting to watch. Those would be the two names we'll watch, I guess, in that in that pregame scoop that Adam always delivers for us. Yeah, first of all, you got your answer in the chat, Adam or and Ross and Adam about the who's who in the uh, with the Hester's. Oh, it's uh, it's the Hester's plural, oh. and, and yeah, talking about the running backs. Yeah. And Ross, you brought that up, and I, I thought that was another interesting point in the press conferences on Monday and I guess if folks listened to them um, or, or read the articles uh, you know DJ Jones is a guy and, and if he's healthy that debate can be had but they also said Elijah Green, Amarion Hunton and Caleb Hood and that flipped that order they said Caleb Hood I think Longo referenced Hood 
first. I mean, Adam, we've talked about narrowing the the running back room. <laughs> um, we thought it was narrowed a certain way. Um, the one guy that they're not even talking about a lot is George Petaway, who is becoming like the backup quarterback. Um, you know, everybody's favorite player on the team. And granted, the, the guy can play, but your thoughts there. I, I mean, it looks like it's Hood, Hampton, and now Green based on Green's performance against Duke. I mean, we say it all the time. I, we love talking to the coordinators. I know Ross does. I do. Phil Longo, he said it the other day. He goes, we're going to use Caleb Hood, Amarion, and Elijah Green uh, Saturday night against Pitt. I mean, he just, he just flat out said, said it. So, there you go. Those are the three guys to look for. I mean, to, to answer your question, Tommy, I personally, uh, I don't have any of the uh, coaching experience that any of these guys have. I, I think they should have redshirted George Petaway. But what the hell do I know? I mean, I just, I mean, I just think that they 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 missed an opportunity there, if that's the way you want to call. It. I think they they messed it up a little bit by not redshirting him. Or if they aren't going to redshirt him, which they can't now because they played him in five games, even though what the fifth game was Virginia Tech, and and his role has just decreased and decreased and decreased. I'm not saying he should have a bigger role, but I just think that. I don't know. I guess they, the foresight is you don't know that Elijah Green is going to come back from the broken thumb and and maybe make the gains that he has made. I mean, Ross and I have talked about it several times. Like, think about next year. You got British Brooks coming back into the running back room. Um, you know, Mac said it. I asked Mac because it's just a thought I've had about why didn't you redshirt him? And he made a point to say, you know, George is happy, um, which I think that's great. Um, I think there's a bit of a don't if we we don't want you to transfer, so we're not going to redshirt you because we still think you're valuable type of feeling there. Like kind of like innately, like redshirt almost seems like you're not as good. You know, I don't know. Does anybody kind of get? No, I see what you're saying. Understand that? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I think they should use him without going to redshirt him. Like, put him in on a couple plays, maybe get him to return punts. Maybe I don't know. He's dynamic. So, um, not to hijack you, Adam here, but uh, running backs. I mean. We, we thought we had this, you know, thing cooking. And then Elijah Green out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he's a stud. You know, got an article coming on him for tomorrow. So, I mean, he, we talked to him today. So, all of a sudden, he's come back from the hand injury. And he looked great in three carries against Duke. So, I'm excited. He's kind of like a the hot new thing to talk about because we haven't seen him very much. So, we'll see what he does against Pitt. Um, dude, he's a great kid, too, man. That's a guy you want to marry your daughter type, type, type individual. Uh, with a lot with Elijah Green, uh, former the Scoop podcast guest. That's so, what I was going to say. Y'all had him on the Scoop when he was yeah. still in high school. That was, was pretty cool. Group, so yeah, I, I like a heavy dose of Hood, Green here and there, and and then maybe Hampton on the goal line is kind of what I would want. I don't know what y'all think about that. No, I agree. And let me make this point: Carolina ninety three, which is weird because that's always been my handle on everything, everywhere. Um, so somebody's stolen it on YouTube. I'm paying attention. To UC ninety three, Petaway's going to dominate. Don't need him for the fourth year anyway. That's the thing these days. If guys are good enough, they don't stay um, for a fourth year anyway. So it's red like, shirt them is, is like, like a waste. Like Javante, like Javante was only there three years. I mean, he could have easily redshirt his freshman year too. He didn't play much freshman year and then just burst on the scene as a sophomore junior. Yeah, and then you got a guy like Drake May who redshirted last year. Now you're only going to see him two years. I mean, it just works out that way. Um, some guys stick around. Petaway. Got to get some size, got to get some strength. But I agree with you, Ross. Get him on the field somehow. Um, these spe special packages they keep talking about for him, 
um, you, you use them. But right. it's, they always say that. They always say, well, you know, we have special selection for sure, George. You know, that's what they always say. Um, but I just think the thing has become even more muddled. You know what I mean? Like, but because you know, we, I mean, we thought Green was kind of the odd man. We thought Green was kind of way on the bench, and now he's a in the rotation. Almost, he was fifth. He was fifth in the pecking order. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but I mean, good for him. And Ross is right. He's a guy that you like to pull for. I mean, he just seems to be a great kid and good for him that he has worked his way into this. You know, I mean, like he, he he's definitely a guy to pull for. I, uh, I'll bring in some stats here, too. But is this necessarily a bad thing to be having a conversation about? Like this is a pretty good problem to have. feels like you could throw any five of those running backs out there and they would do pretty well. Also bring in some stats here just because if people are curious. The running back with the highest pass blocking grade is Elijah Green. Small sample size a little bit there. Um, but he also has the highest run grade. So he grades out really well. Again, small sample size. He's played yeah. the least snaps. Um, but that's probably why the, the coaches are going to keep turning to him because the opportunity that he got last, last uh, game against Duke, he did very, very well. I think he has 11 carries on the season. So, I mean, we're in. What game is this? The eighth game of the season? The seventh game of the se- eighth game of the season? So yeah, those grades are going to change. And he can fly. So I mean, that's the difference. He he can score. I mean, I keep hearing him talking about. I think Josh Downs talking about him. He's one of the fastest, if not the fastest. Um, we'll talk about British Brooks and all that next year. Uh, you know, they ain't going to have six running backs in that room next year. We can pretty much guarantee that. I don't. I don't see that happening. Um, Any more questions right here before I switch topics? Because I want to talk about, well, Chris Aldrich asked you a question, Adam. If you can find that in the chat, I'll let you answer that. You don't have to answer it on air. Uh, I saw saw that someone said Elijah Green was a Fedora recruit. I don't think that's true because that's 2020 class. Just to clarify. Because 2019 was the one where there was some crossover. Maybe, um, I, I, I don't think that's correct. Yeah, so so you guys talked to Drake May. He look he sounded to me like today he's getting a little tired of talking about himself. Um, but he's gonna have to get over it if he keeps playing like he's playing. Adam, your thoughts on where he's at? He the pressure, the heat, the the spotlight, all that stuff is just it's got that guy in the middle of him more than any Carolina guy I can remember for in a good while. Well, I have to answer my man, Chris. It was Chris, right, that asked the question? Yep. Uh, it's a coastal love, uh, I believe I have tonight. Yes, that coastal love. Um, little variety pack, but uh, – What brewery? Uh, Wicked Weed, I think. Um, wow, picked it up at the local food line. Um, but, yeah, coastal love tonight, a little lighter. Uh, very tasty. Thank you for uh, noticing, Chris. Um, I don't know, Tommy. I don't think Dre- – Drake today, I think Drake May is always the same, whether you are walking past him on Franklin Street or you're talking to him in the lobby of the Keenan Football Center. Like, I don't I don't think he likes to talk about himself anyway. I don't think he's, you know, like, what is he going to say when people are asking him about the Heisman and all this stuff? Like, you know, these people pop out of the woodwork these days and they want to say, like, how amazing is this? Like, that's like the question that gets asked 35 different ways to him. I mean, how, what can he say? It's great. It's special. Um, I think Drake's fine. I mean, I think, I think that guy's just wired a certain way and 
I could be wrong two years from now when he's a, a first round draft pick, but um, I, I think he's okay with the attention and everything else. I mean, uh, I, 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 I'm not concerned about him this changing him or anything like that. I mean, I, I don't know if I'm wrong. Ross, what do you think about that? Is that. Yeah. I mean, I think at this point, everybody's a little tired of talking to everybody. I mean, I'm not, uh, he's getting more and more attention. So I'm sure he's having to do a little bit more media than he did at the beginning of the season. He had a guy from Charlotte here today. He's doing special things. They see network. He's, he was on Jim Rome. I mean, he's getting national attention. So he is talking to a lot more people. Uh, but yeah, he's got that all shucks kind of G, G whiz type demeanor. I think it's pretty authentic. I, I just think, you know, it's probably an intrinsic thing to kind of deflect attention, just kind of knowing, um, look, he, he kind of, he probably knows he's a shit and like, you know, doesn't need to brag on himself as much. And so he's going to deflect to the defense and his teammates. And yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a good quote and he's been great with us. So yeah, I mean, I think we're kind of at that point, you know, it is kind of, the, the dog days of the season two from a media and a, and a team standpoint, the bye week is a little refreshing there, but you know, we get the same players um, every Tuesday and we get Mac every Monday and every Wednesday. So I don't know. I think it's, I think it's fine though. So anything left we need to talk about um, from media takeaways from this week leading into this ball game, because we're going to come back after the break and talk about some preseason or preseason picks and looking back and some midseason awards. You got anything left from this week, Ross? Um, I think I'm good. I mean, yeah, I, I think it was an interesting point. Tommy calling this the biggest game in the Mac era. That's, <laughs> I think that, that, that's going to get some discussion going. I didn't see that coming. I, it's, uh, a, it, it's a big one because it does put them in a pretty firm place. But look, if they, if they lose this, I think you have to look at it, if they lose this game, what does it mean? I think they lose this game. It, it's not actually that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Mm. What, what do you think about that, Tommy? I think if they lose this one, they're right back where Carolina football has been forever. They can still you know, win the Coastal, though. Needing help. They'll still be in the lead. They'll still be in the lead, but they will no, they, they, won't need, they won't need help. They'll still be able to win it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every other team you. has two losses. Yeah. yeah. If they lose the game, they can still win the Coastal. But yeah. then they have to run out. You got to beat uh, – you got to beat what you call it. You got to beat Wake at Wake. That's going to be tough. Well, no, because they're not in the Coastal. If they beat Virginia and Duke, and you'd still win it. Right, Adam? Well, not exactly. I mean, okay. it, your conference record is your conference record, yeah. but the your record against your division opponents does hold a ton of weight. But but if you tie somebody you lost to, that's the tiebreaker. Right. Doesn't matter how you got there. Yeah. Right. And that's why take care of Pitt, and not only are you two games ahead of everybody, you can tie everybody that's going to be there to tie. Yeah, you're four and zero. Tiebreaker. Not only the league, but against the coastal, and then you got Virginia coming up the next week, where you could be five and zero in the league in the coastal. You know, you could be five and zero with one more coastal game left to play. I almost say the Duke game was bigger two weeks ago than this game. I don't know. That's how I felt. I feel like that'd be a bigger loss lose to Duke. I think a bigger loss. Yes. Um, I don't know. Chat, chime in. Is this the biggest game yeah. of the Mac era? And chat and the message boards. We'll see what they think. I think it is. If Mac Brown. The whole Eric. You know what was a sneaky big game was that Notre Dame game in the pandemic season. The 2020 season, day after Thanksgiving. Ross remembers it well. What? uh, Fowler and Herb Street were there. Wasn't that? Was that the Uh, day that that you talked to Kirk Herb Street or Chris Fowler? Maybe it was Chris Fowler that was so fired up. Um, And they got. What happened to him in that game? Same thing that happened to every night. They got steamrolled. But but they still. (laughs) 
I could be wrong about this. John, help me out. That they went <laughs> to that game with a chance to still play in the ACC championship game, did they not? If they'd have beaten Notre Dame that day, and that's when Notre Dame was in the in the conference. Like, yeah, it was yeah. top two. It wasn't divisions right. that year. Notre Dame and Clemson ended up playing in the conference championship game that year for a second time. They had a, like an epic game, I think, in South Bend that year. Um, and that was DJU came in and went off for Clemson. But, but am I right that that I mean that was if they'd beaten Notre Dame that day, they would have gone. Would they have gone to the ACC championship game? I think. Oh, I can't was, remember. That Sounds was good. Mid season. We got producer John on. I can tell you. It wasn't mid season. It was the day after Thanksgiving. We will. We will say yes. I just remember uh, sitting in the stands watching. Uh, what's his name? Ian Book. Yeah. Run circles around the defense. Little Houdini act a couple of times right there in front, and uh, yeah. So, I also want to just throw out there South Carolina and Miami in 2019. That was those are pretty big games. I would say both of those were bigger than this this game against Pitt. I have you know what? I'll Bubba Cunningham told me that the biggest game, win or lose, was the loss to Clemson. He said that was the biggest game. This was this was a couple weeks ago. Um, that was three games into the MAC 2.0. He said losing by one to Clemson was like the most significant because it kind of was announced like how legit that team was because they competed with the number one team and lost by one. So I mean, that's, yeah, I mean, I, mean, that was, I think there's just different levels of it. Like John yeah. is saying, and Ross are saying, like you had to like legitimize some of this in, in 2019, and like mm-hmm. it was like, oh look, it's Sam Howell. This, this freshman quarterback, wow, he's pretty damn good. You're like, you know, Sam Howe to Daz Newsome in the back of the end zone. Miami is beaten. You know, like, I think there's just different levels yeah. to it. The, um, the AM win would have been, that would have been huge. Oh, A&M that would have been, yeah, been They'd never been to the Orange Bowl, ever. Yeah, that was a huge game. And they played really well and easily could have won that game. They led the game in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Set expectations and then did not meet them. This is a chance to actually meet some – expectations that all those games you guys are talking about set and beating Pitt will get them another shot at Clemson in the ACC championship game. I just think it's the biggest game in Mac era. We can debate it. I, I will uh, not concede the point, but I will concede the moment and talk about Johnny T-shirt, johnnytshirt.com. Sponsors of this show, sponsors of Inside Carolina. Take care of them. They take care of us. They take care of you and 10% off your order will save you a lot of money if you spend as much money at Johnny T-Shirt as we do. All the gear you need, get the Ross Special, the crew neck sweatshirts. They got a ton of them at Johnny T-Shirt. The comfortable ones, the old school ones, whatever you need at Johnny T-Shirt. Take care of them on East Franklin Street or online. Ross, do your thing on Mr. Barf's product. Blue Shark Vodka. I'm not sure where my bottle is, but Blue Shark Vodka the smoothest vodka in the world. Check them out. There you go. Tommy's got it. For those watching on YouTube right now, Blue Shark Vodka, smoothest vodka in the world. Our friends down in Riceville Beach, Connor Barth and company, um, you know, very grateful they sponsor this show. They sponsor Calling the Shots, which I think will air Mondays now and maybe potentially after on the beat. But uh, we'll talk to that. After. We'll get to that after this. Um, you know, Carolina Sweet Corn, smooth, local, accessible price point, available in all 100 North Carolina counties, parts of South Carolina. It's in Vegas. It's in San Diego. They're spreading. Check them out on Instagram and online, Blue Shark Vodka. Um, when you support them, you're supporting us, allowing us to do these type of shows. Blue Shark Vodka and Johnny T-Shirt. We'll get some national ads in now, Tommy. Yes, and sir. We'll be back, we'll be back after the break. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, it is 9.32 on the East Coast on The Beat Live. Adam Smith, Ross Martin, John Bowman. John, uh, before this show, I ask you to cobble together our preseason predictions. And I don't know how to use share screen, so I'm hoping you got it at hand. Uh, Folks have been asking all week or the last couple weeks, how is everybody at Inside Carolina doing on preseason predictions? I will go ahead and spoil it for everybody. I am first and undefeated on my preseason predictions. We're we're Adam Smith and Ross Martin on this list, okay? Ross no. and Adam both have Notre Dame. I'll let you read it, John, because I can't see it. My eyes are too bad. The, the best way to probably do this is to go game by game and kind of, uh, you know, like, for example, App State, there was only one person who picked UNC to lose. We're not going to say who that person is, but we're not sure what they were thinking. <laughs> Notre Dame. Notre Dame, everyone picked UNC to lose, and they did lose, so there's no real surprise there. The kind of the bellwether games here, Miami and Duke. Tommy Ashley picked uh, UNC to beat Miami and beat Duke. Uh, Most everyone else had those split. Uh, So Tommy Ashley is in first place, redeeming himself after the 2021 uh, famous uh, prediction. Um, But that's sort of where we stand. I'll also scroll down so you can see everyone's end of season. Yeah, Tommy's looking pretty. Tommy's looking pretty good because the only loss he has left is, is Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has he has UNC beating NC State too, and, and that looks like a, a likely outcome now with Leary out. So, Tommy Any, the, anything the, you want to change, Ross, on yours? Yeah, I'd have them beating Pitt, um, and I would have them beating State. So I would still have them losing to Wake Forest. So I'd yeah. have them with coming out with, yeah. So I'd have them um, closing with just one more loss. That's ten and two. Jeez. Uh, I think I think some of these teams like Pitt's not as good as we thought. Mm-hmm. State obviously is not as good, and they lost Leary. Um, and I think Miami was not as good as we thought, and I think UNC is a little bit better than we thought. I think in general, I would say at least offensively. Let me ask y'all this. Carolina's six and one. We're at the midpoint of the season, roughly. Definitely now, if they play an ACC championship, playing a bowl game, that'll be 14 games. Ross, why is the, is the defense all the reason for the consternation? I mean, the goal is to win the game. They're six and one. <laughs> how, how you get to six and one, does it matter? Um, and if they're 10 and two, does it matter that the defense was terrible? Where are you at on that? Because I think. The competition is has not been good. The defense has been below average. 
And the offense has been fantastic. I, I just think that the competition is really bad. I mean, Miami's been awful. Duke was okay. I think Pitt's less, not as good as we thought. Virginia's not good. Um, you know, I think Wake is is really really good. Um, so I just think it's a combination of they're they're beating teams ahead of them. Like you're right, Tommy. I mean, they're beating who's ahead of them, and that's all you can ask for. But I think the consternation that the kind of the reluctance to go in, all in on this team is just the continued defense defensive concerns. I said I was going to make kind of a decision after Duke and Pitt, and Duke just kind of you know they they gave a lot of yards to Duke. So it still leaves me questioning how good this team's uh, defense is. But look, yeah, I, I got uh, I got a lot of uh, consternation from the Twitter people <laughs> after my take after the Duke game because you're right, this is a six and one team, but it feels like people still haven't fully dipped their toe in. For me, the big thing with the Duke game was the run defense regressing. They had played pretty well against Virginia Tech, pretty well against Miami, so there was some opportunity to build some momentum, and I think. The performance of the defense in the Duke game is a big part of the reason why there's so much hesitation. Um, and I think to me, there, to me, there's a difference too between squeaking out a win against App State in the second game of the season and squeaking out a win against Duke in the seventh game of the season. I think the team, as the goals come into closer view, the team has to sort of rise to the occasion. So, you know, I think that this game against Pittsburgh is going to tell us a whole lot about whether or not the run defense will continue to improve and whether or not they can keep winning or maybe their record will maybe start to reflect uh, closer to how the team actually is at this point in the season. Let me get in a couple of thoughts. We'll go to Adam on this. John said they were the worst six and one team in the country, right? That was the tweet. That wasn't, that wasn't my finest moment as a Twitter <laughs> person. Kind of, I, think I think it's accurate. accurate. I think it's kind of accurate. It was, Look, uh, I... it was a hot take. Let's just say that I'm walking out of the UNC Duke game. I'm you know making sure my grandma gets back to her car safely. <laughs> I tweeted that out. So maybe not my best take, but it's what I tweeted. Grammy. What did you say, Grandma? Get in the car. Well, Hold I on while I tweet this. It was, um, it was crowded. It was crowded. I'd make it I, I would say this. I think Duke's uh, turned out to be a lot better than we thought, too. I mean, going down mm-hmm. and beating Miami, um, about uh, beating Miami a lot stronger than UNC did. Um, and I, one thing I'll add is, you know, however bad this defense is, a better offense beats, you know, the offense is most important. Like, that's what in college football, that's a way more deciding factor in how good a team can be. And UNC has a really strong offense. Ab, your thoughts on the topic? I got a lot of thoughts. Uh, I, I will, I will, my main hot take will, I'll hold that. I, I, I couldn't even remember who I picked. So somebody was making fun <laughs> of me for reading because I'm old and blind. I, I did, I, it looks like I did pick Carolina to beat Pitt and I picked him to beat NC State. And that was before, um, yeah, I picked them to lose at Virginia because uh, Mac Brown is cursed in Charlottesville. I did pick them to lose that game. So oh, it looks oh, like man. I had them getting to this point of the season with two losses. But I picked them to beat Pitt, which they will do this week. They will beat Pitt. And um, I picked them to beat State. Picked them to lose at Wake because uh, I think Wake's a good team. And in Winston-Salem, I think they're even better. But uh, I hope to be proven wrong about that Virginia pick. I guess I'm the only one who picked them to lose at Virginia. Guys, Mac Brown is cursed in Charlottesville. Like, what do you want me to? I mean, anyway. Uh, well, to, to get back, it's not to, just Charlottesville; it's the state of Virginia. Period. It's like right, cross yeah. the line and can't win anything. But to your point, uh, well, to answer the question, I mean, Duke is the best win Carolina has, in my opinion, and they are lucky to win that game. I mean, Duke had scored. 
the touchdown was going to put the game out of reach, and they get called back on a chop block. Great uh, call. It was a great call, wasn't it? I, <laughs> it was hey, borderline. It worked out, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, and then you still have to have Drake May engineer the game-winning drive with 2.09 left on the clock, and Antoine Green tiptoe, tightrope, the corner of the end zone and see just enough green between his white cleat and that white line. Um, I mean, I think the way that it went, uh, they were lucky to win the game, but they won the game. The opt, you know, the, the penalty was called Duke couldn't, they missed a field goal, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They missed a field goal and they, Hey, Duke opened the door and Carolina stormed right through it. So good for them. Um, That's a yeah. great point. Cause Carolina has, left those doors open many, many, many times in the past. Yeah, they were able to – that app game, they were able to keep the door closed just ever enough <laughs> to keep Chase Bryce out of the end zone and to hold them off. And, yeah, that door got cracked against Duke because it was going the wrong way. And, uh, they, you know, they barged right through it. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I get the consternation, but I just feel like – I mean, I'm a goofy person anyway. You're the Carolina six and one and three and zero. Oh. This is great. Like you know, let's celebrate it. If you're a UNC fan, I understand the concern that this could all just go off a cliff. Uh, I get that, but I mean, I think they're going to beat Pitt. Virginia's a train wreck. I don't know how you take Brennan Armstrong <laughs> with a Tony Elliott who's supposed to be an offensive genius and screw him up. But they ain't. I mean, no one in the coastal is good. State, NC State looks pretty crappy right now with the Charleston Southern quarterback in there. Uh, Devin Leary was not lighting the world on fire either. You know, so much for that uh, Heisman candidacy. Wink, wink. We're not promoting him, but we are. Um, You know, Drake May's been amazing. I mean, I could see Carolina going 5-0, and you know, or I could – I mean, anything could happen. I think that's the interesting thing about this Carolina football team in season. Like – Everything is going to be fascinating. And um, I think it feels like a special season. I think it might become one. I want to hold real let quick. Me throw the, let me throw this up. I've been itching to click this. That's perfect right there. So I played a lot of golf in my life, and I've never had a hole-in-one and hit some beautiful shots. My brother goes out there and can't play a lick and hits one that would have knocked over a toddler in the middle, all the way down the fairway, doesn't get off the ground, burns every worm you can get, and goes in the hole. Ain't no pictures on scoreboard, boys. Six and one, six and one. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I was going to say, too, the Drake May piece of this is really critical because there are, you know, a lot of college football programs that would gladly trade Drake May for whoever they have playing at quarterback. So when you have that in your back pocket, the rest of the season I think that's a reason to feel really optimistic about how the rest of the season is going to go and we just saw what he was able to do in the game-winning drive against Duke so I think the fact that Drake May is on this Carolina football team makes you a lot more positive um, you know when maybe you wouldn't be otherwise looking at UNC's schedule and how they've played against it did I hear him correctly say that's his first game-winning drive did he say well, he that? He was saying, you know, in high school, he you would play the first half, you know, a lot oh, of the time. Beat the heck out of everybody. Um, Got it. Yeah. Like, um, yeah, Don't we were talking a last. little bit after the Duke game about that. Like, you know, you've done a lot of things, but like in terms of game on the line with you behind in that amount of time, 
Uh, it was a big moment for Drake, I think, um, obviously. And he said he was nervous, which is pretty cool because good nerves are great for athletes. And whenever somebody comes up and says they weren't nervous at all, that's a bunch of BS. So it was good to hear him admit that. Well, let's do some uh, midseason awards. Um, you know, we can do offensive MVP. I think we'll all agree on that. So let's try to – let's do, like I've said in the past, Ross, offensive MVP – not named May or Downs. I mean, okay, yeah, like an honorable mention situation here. Um, that's tough. Um, <laughs> I've got mine. If you Dude, want, I, I got one. I'll, I'll go one. Banner. You got off season MVP offense. Okay. I, I said it. I'm sorry. <laughs> there is no off season, John. Hey, that's why this is a live show. Yeah. Gotta... Okay. My, my uh, I'm. You know what? I'm gonna go Corey Gaynor. Honorable mention. Mid-season MVP, not including Downs or um, or Drake May. I think Drake he's, Ross. look, you Drake haven't heard his you haven't heard his name much, and that's a good thing for offensive linemen. Stabilizing young quarterback, stabilizing offensive line. Um, you know, doesn't get talked about enough, and because we don't, he doesn't let us interview him. But uh, Corey Gaynor, Miami transfer. Who you got, Adam? Don't copy. You can't do any better than that, Ross answer. That was a perfect answer. If you can't say Drake May, I think that was perfect. I mean, I'll say Kobe Pesor. No. <laughs> I mean, he helped win the app game. He had some good blocks at Duke. In seriously, um, I don't know. Do I? I can't say Drake May. Can't say May. Can't say Downs. Now you say, can't say Gainer. Look at the live chat. There's a good answer there. I'll go for the tight end position. All three of them. That's what I was going to say. Uh, you, can't, you can't just single one of those out. Tell us yeah. why. Tell us why, Adam. I mean, they're they've been a revelation. Like, I mean, you know, like we've written extensively about it. You've seen it in the games. Um, you know, they, they each bring something different. Uh, they seem to be committed to the group aspect of everything. Uh, Bryson Nesbitt is a matchup problem. Kamari Morales catches everything. John Copenhaver is a raging bull coming off the bench. Um, you know, I think those guys are great. And Drake utilizes them. Drake looks for them. Drake has incorporated the tight end to a level that it has not been incorporated, not to speak ill of Sam Howell, but he did just did not throw to those guys. Maybe they weren't as open as these guys are. Um, you know, I don't know about Garrett Walston's foot speed, but not to speak ill of him either. Um, but the, the tight ends have been great. The tight ends have, I think, added another dimension to this offense, and both Mack and Phil Longo will tell you the tight ends have helped them be so successful in the red zone. I mean, think about all those passes you've seen them catch on fourth downs as they've been driving. I'm about to uh, steal DJ seniors from the from the chat. That's where I was going. I'm gonna say Antoine Green. He's been hurt. He hasn't played a ton, but he changes the game and he changes the offense. Uh, we saw what Diami Brown could do. Um, you know, when you could just drop back and throw it over the top of everybody. It's one thing to be skilled. It's another thing to just be able to run past somebody. And I think he's both. And I think if May has any time, that sort of. I thought a couple times in the Duke game. They should have been there. Should have been long touchdowns instead of some circus catches, um, because May did not get it out there far enough. Um, but I think Green and I think Green's presence the rest of the year is going to be very big, especially against Pitt. That's going to play those Jason Staples quarters, and you just throw over the top of those Allen guys. Who you got, John? You don't have many people left. Oh, this is easy. This is easy for me. You all forgot him. I think he's the most overlooked UNC football player. 
Awesome Richards. I was, I saw, I was Left tackle is such a critical position. UNC is breaking in a new quarterback this season. Awesome Richards has been reliable. He's been on the field, and he's been very solid. Another thing, too, is this is his third season as a starter. It's, it's very surprising to me. I mean, he still doesn't have very much buzz. I mean, given how good Drake May is and given how good the UNC offense is, shouldn't he be on some lists for All-ACC or even All-American, perhaps? I don't know if he's quite that good, but he is my midseason offensive MVP. Let's do the defensive side of the ball real quick, and then we'll get to some more fun ones. Uh, let's do uh, defensive MVP at the midseason. I let's think I spelled a, that correctly. Let's do a no Cedric Gray rule. Oh man! All right, because that's the I think that's the obvious choice, right? Um, All day, every day. I say yeah. Boykins. Boykins has had pick. some big go, timely sacks. Go ahead, Tommy. Let's pick DeAndre Boykins will be my pick. Big timely sacks, some good hits. Um, he gets lost in coverage like the rest of them do, but um, a couple of the sacks he had, he had one against Duke. He had a big one against Miami, if my memory serves. I think his play has been a pleasant surprise out of that defensive backfield that that we have certainly slammed on a lot this year, and I think Boykins has been the one that's made the difference back there. All right, I'll get mine in before it gets stolen. I'm going to go no Taylor. <laughs> Great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think he's been solid. Um I think he game-winning tackle against App State, game-stealing tackle. I think he's been the best pass rusher. I think he's been a consistent, you know, he's played the most consistent force on the defensive line. Uh, you know what? That's two transfers for me that I've named. I mean, what, what a good job by the staff to get two impact transfer starters. Adam. Big. Go ahead. Go ahead, Tommy. No, Adam. I was going to say go ahead, Adam. And um, keep it short. <laughs> <laughs> Noah Taylor leads Carolina in sacks. So, I mean, yeah, and he's playing the run way more than he has ever played it before. But, uh, I mean, you can't – I can't say Boykins. I can't say Noah Taylor. Uh, I'm going to say – I mean, obviously, Power Eccles would be an easy choice. I'm going to go Cayman Rucker. Um, he tipped the pass that DeAndre Boykins intercepted in Miami. Um, he was one of the unifying forces at Georgia State where everything was uh, fracturing apart and Tony Grimes and Des Evans were arguing – and Georgia State was ahead, and it looked like it might they might be in trouble. I'm going to say Cayman Rucker. Uh, I think he makes timely plays. I think guy's motor never stops. And I think he's well-liked by his teammates and well-respected by his teammates. I think uh, I'm, I'm saying him for his play and for his, like, leadership and his voice on that team. Speaking of his voice, sang the national anthem at the Final Four. That's probably the most pressure moment that guy's ever had. John well, B. This one's a little tougher. You guys named a few of the names here. I'll go with Geo Biggers. He's been a steady presence at safety. UNC has some some depth issues there a little bit, and he's been available and he's been on the field and he's he's mostly done his job. So that's my midseason defensive MVP. Can I pick oh. that? Can I pick the next one, Tommy? Yeah, you oh. can pick the next topic. Let me give a shout out to the state fan that comes trolling in our chat. You gotta love it. I want whatever John's uh, whatever John's taken to, to give the Geo Biggers answer there. Well, look, I was looking at the list. I was looking at the list. They were starting to get down in numbers a little bit there in terms I think of. Des Evans, I thought Des Evans, Evans would be a big pick. Power Eccles, like I can't. I left him for John. I mean, you, it was you a, said I it. Love you said power, so I didn't want to. I, I didn't want to piggyback. I want to go a th throw a fresh name out there. Um, let's do most improved because I think that's something that's really interesting, especially at the midseason point. 
starting with Ross, most improved at the midway point of the season, offense right. or defense? I'll go. Uh, ooh, that's a good question. I mean, we've named a lot of guys. I mean, Austin Richards is a great pick. Um, I will go Desmond Evans. I think uh, he's the guy we expected to take a big leap. I think he's been solid. Look, I'm not XO's guy who knows exactly how good he's doing, but it seems like the staff have mentioned him a couple times having really big games. It seems like he always brings effort, and that's what you want out of your kind of your edge defensive end. Go ahead, Adam. No, I'm going to steal it. I'll go Kevin Hester because I don't think he's done much until the last – now he has to do much, and he's been really good. Um, he was good last week. He'll be better this week, and he'll have to be given the loss of a Hasek. Go ahead, Adam. I got to do DeAndre Boykins. I mean, the guy – the guy makes plays, and as we've said, like I think Tommy, you were talking about him getting home on the blitzes. It was he's he's gotten home Miami on a very timely blitz, and at Duke, and he's just coming on more and more. You know, he had the game ceiling pick at Miami, and uh, what said Gray called him a junkyard dog. Um, I think he's been. I think he has been one of their best players on defense, and uh, just sort of an anchor up the middle uh, at the star position. Let me throw this name up here right fast before I jump on, step on you, John. William Barnes, because this is a guy who came in, I believe he was a high four-star, maybe a five-star. Mm -hmm. um, Ed Montalus was sort of his buddy in high school. Let's get them both. Let's offer them both. Uh, and Barnes was the bigger name. Montalus has played a lot more. But Barnes, I think, his, his, his progression – and sticking with it and, and improving at Carolina has been huge for this offensive line. And when he comes back from injury, assuming this week, I think he'll make a difference. My bad, John. No, no worries. I'm going to go with J.J. Jones, someone who was pressed into duty a little bit early on in the season with Antoine Green out. And he's been a very solid option for North Carolina at that outside wide receiver position. Um, maybe not someone who was a super highly recruited kid or someone who was expected to to do a lot this season for North Carolina, but I think he's improved a lot and he's been an asset for this team. All right, what do we want to do next? What's the next category here? Top, top moment of the year. Ross, you suggested it. You give it. Man, there's a couple. There's a bunch to pick from. Um, I, I will go the – the. Uh, <laughs> there's so many in that app game. Yeah. I, will, I will go the uh, denying the two-point conversion – no, uh, Noah Taylor and Cayman Rucker coming across. I mean, that, that sealed the win there. In, in a game that had tons of just crazy moments and big plays, I'll go that defensive stop, even though there's a bunch of other defensive plays uh, throughout the season. I'll stay in that game, and I'll say the biggest moment was Chase Bryce overthrowing a wide-open <laughs> running back. Oh, um, my God. That would have been a walk-in two-point conversion to take the lead with what, yep. 30 seconds? <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Adam. We left uh, nothing for you, my friend. I mean, recency bias. Drake May on the run, mm -hmm. 16 seconds left, off one foot. Uh, a guy chasing him and another guy streaking into his face to Antoine Green, corner of the end zone, to beat Duke, to retain the rivalry bell. He stayed in by a couple blades of grass. I mean, what a moment. Well, how does Drake – he's so accurate on the run. I mean, think about the touchdown pass he threw to Caleb Hood at the end of the first half of the Duke game. He's on a full sprint to the right and he just, you know, a dart to Caleb hood. I mean, he's very accurate on the run. And I mean, that wasn't, it wasn't Drake 
the the game winner to Antoine Green, he didn't drop back, sit in the sit in the pocket and throw it. You know, he was just he was running, he was almost out of bounds when he threw the ball. The one thing Don Callahan said about Drake May during his recruitment was how accurate he was. That was the one thing. He is an accurate, accurate passer. And that is that you can learn it, but you can't learn it better than having it. And he's got it for sure. Um, and he threw that same pass twice. I mean, that, the Caleb Hood at the end of the first half, to Antoine Green at the end of the second half. So it ain't it ain't luck. John? I will go Tyler Van Dyke interception at the hands of DeAndre Boykins at the end of the Miami game. Maybe also you could throw in some of the fourth down stops they had in that game. That, to me, is the top moment from the ones that were left. Uh, there's, you know, I'm picking last year. I'm picking from the left. <laughs> you know, I, I would say in that game, the fourth down stand, goal line stand, was that in the first half, Adam? Yeah, it was. And that, was a, that was a pretty, minutes. yeah, that was a pretty cool moment for the defense. I thought that was that jumbo package, Adam. We kept talking about. That was a great moment. Omarion Hampton breaks it at Georgia State to, mm-hmm. to, it, to. I mean, they needed it. They had to have it. That uh, that was, I believe, that was early fourth quarter. Uh, that was a big moment, especially for Amorian Hampton. He had had the he had stepped out of bounds after fielding the kickoff in that game. He was beating himself up. Indeed. Let's go uh best game. I mean, I think that's probably easy. Um I guess it de- depends on how you define best game, right? Well, it, it best okay, you're right. So so you take your pick, Ross. Since you you suggested the topic, I'll let you get first dibs again. I mean, App State, that was that was the most exciting game to watch. They've been in, and look, they've been in some really good games. What? How many games have gone down to the last, the last two minutes? All App of State, them. Georgia State, all Duke, except Virginia Tech, Miami, and FAMU, Miami. Uh, yeah. So I will go App State. I don't know anybody else. The best game for the uh, heart doctors of this state was Virginia Tech because there was no drama and UNC mm-hmm. won big, so nobody was too stressed. I'd say that's the. Theoretically, the best game. Heart, doctor, heart doctors want your business. <laughs> App State set uh, defensive football back. Like I asked Mac in the press conference, are you a nine to six guy or sixty three sixty one? And he said sixty three sixty one tells me that there's no defense, and that game was still insane. Will not soon be forgotten. We've done biggest play, best game, top moment of the season, and and I think this is different from all those rest. Um, I've got one in mind. Adam, no, John, no. We'll let John go first since he was whining about being last. I've got a good one. This is kind of off the wall. I'll give a good top moment. How about Sam Howell high-fiving Drake May in the end zone uh, in the App State game? That's a pretty cool moment. The past quarterback meeting up with the future of the Tar Heel quarterback room. That's what I'd throw out there as the top moment. You can also maybe Adam and Ross throw in their top quote. You know, maybe what's what's something off the field if you heard anything that's funny. Drake Drake May saying the, the NC State quote. <laughs> nah. That's a good one. He no, started right. to do it earlier today too. He top said, you moment. know, everybody's ABC. Top moment for me, uh, the scuffle, the kerfluffle, um, and then the players meeting that sort of straightened it out, perhaps. Um, and then the Grimes Noah Taylor slap against Notre Dame it sort of straightened out after that. Uh, I will say, I will say, keep winning the victory bell, going over to Duke, 
you know, prime time and, and, and getting the victory bell. I think the moment of, of going, of, of saving it is always fun to watch, seeing the pitchers afterwards and the seniors riding on it and, and you know, seeing the freshmen and kind of see that for the first time. What do you think, Adam? Wrap us up here. We are screeching to a halt almost 10 o'clock. I, people are going to disagree with me on this one, but I'm just to be different. I'm going to pick uh, Matt going off on the ref at Notre Dame and getting the uh, unsportsmanlike yeah. conduct penalty just in terms of a memorable moment. I'm not saying that's in any way the top moment, but that's pretty funny. And then he tried to tell us that he told the strength coach, Brian Hess, get off me, don't touch me. Uh, thought that was pretty hilarious. I mean, come on. You know, in the post game, he's asking his wife, Sally, if he had ever gotten flagged like that before. You know, like that was a that was a pretty memorable moment. But I think John, that was a great. I think, I think John, I think everybody had great picks on top moment. I, I agree with what you all said. Uh, Sam Howell was outside of the locker room after Duke too. He looked like he was enjoying the whole victory bell scene uh, with the Commanders having played on Thursday night. He, uh, oh, okay. It was pretty pretty cool thing. Drake said he stopped and talked to him uh, then too, and. Some of the local media, radio hosts maybe in the Winston-Salem area that hadn't seen that got very excited to hear me ask uh, Drake about that. Drake and Sam Howell. Anything left, boys? It's been on the beat on a Tuesday night. Ross, anything left? That's it. Big game this weekend. Looking forward to it. Prime time, 8 p.m. Time to get get out of that press box. What, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., Adam? I think that we have done a disservice to Pitt's defense, but it's not, there's no time to talk. We talked all about their running game. <laughs> Guys, their defense is good. I mean, they led that Louisville game ten to seven in the fourth quarter. Like, yes, Abaconda's great, but I mean, that is a that defensive line is tough. Um, Narduzzi they, can coach them up. Yeah, they hit hard, and uh, but Carolina's going to win the game, um, <laughs> and they'll win the game thirty-one to twenty-three on at Keenan Stadium on Saturday night. And Tar Heels will move to seven and one overall and four zero in the ACC. You're pounding the under. Then I guess. Well, I don't know what the over under is. But I don't. Like I haven't seen the line is Carolina favored by three, maybe three or four. Home field advantage. Uh, it's been fun, Ross. You got a scoop tomorrow, right? Yeah, we are um, recording tomorrow morning at eight thirty. Me and Don. There's not much to talk about right now in the uh, recruiting <laughs> world. <laughs> you, should, you should see the uh, topics of discussion we're bouncing off right now. But it's always fun with Don. Just I got to about the Phillies. I got a Sorry. quick one, uh, Tommy. Uh, how about top commenter so far this season, Slagle? But he's not here tonight. Oh, no Slagle like, today. Oh, yeah. I feel like we should send someone to check on Slagle. Make sure everything. like Sean there. Crowley's always in there a lot. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Sean. Also, I want to give a, a shout out to Rhett. Rhett recognized me at the UNC Duke game. So shout out to Rhett. He referred to me as Producer John. So that's pretty, <laughs> pretty funny. Preston from always Preston from Greensboro is a, a regular Inside Carolina podcast listener. He bought me a beer once in Keenan when I wasn't working. Nice, yeah. Don't speak on John Sink either. He's one of my guys. I'm a big fan of John Sink's commentary. Yeah, big shout out to everybody that comes in here every every Tuesday night, every Thursday, every all of these podcasts and live shows. You guys are the best. We do it for you, um, and because we have to. No, it's always great to talk and do On The Beat Live. Love the live stuff. Ross Martin, Adam Smith, they've got you covered. Podcast, Scoop Podcast tomorrow. Greg Barnes and I, next level, um, with a pit focus on Wednesday, drop Wednesday night. I'll be back game plan Thursday night. Ross, Adam, producer John, it's always a pleasure. And Johnny T-shirt. Thanks, guys.